All right, welcome back to OGP, the one giant podcast, where, of course, I'm your host, Adam Armbrecht, covering the New York football giants here and the Brooklyn Nets over on the Locked On Nets podcast with my partner in crime, Doug Norrie. Check it out. Brooklyn Nets, just a just a few well, weeks, maybe maybe a few more weeks than we'd like before the regular season gets underway over there. And certainly a lot closer for the NFL as we close in on the regular season. The Giants are working their way through what will be joint practices and then ultimately a preseason game against the Cleveland Browns. Got a lot to get to. Solo podcast for me here in the middle of the week. Andy Makowitz, as you heard on Monday, he's on vacation. So he showed up on Monday and then he got a good taste of sunshine down there on the beaches and decided that's it. He checked out and quite frankly didn't even give me any notice. So we'll deal with him maybe at the end of the week. But there is a lot to get into. John Mara and uh, Dave Gettleman, they met with, obviously, the media. Maybe the last time we'll hear from them for a while. I'm not going to really say that there's a ton to take away from it, but I'll actually go a little bit further back around that Odell Beckham trade and some interesting comments and takeaways from that, as well as some other coordinators who spoke on a couple of key players that we liked coming out of the first preseason game against the Jets back on Saturday night. So the first thing that we'll just dive in here quickly on is the roster moves that got the Giants down to 85, as we said. They'll have to get to 80 on the 24th, so that'll be another uh, less than a week away now following the second preseason game. We'll see what moves they choose to make. But Alfred Morris, the veteran that came in last year and certainly offered the Giants some value there late in the season as they were trying to fight their way through injuries at the running back position. He's been waived. Uh, Chris Milton, safety, also waived. You had Jaron Williams, the cornerback, put on injured reserve with the quad issue. And then earlier in the week, I think, I don't know if we mentioned it on Monday or not, but uh, Kyle Murphy with the ankle. We know that Brunson with the ACL was going to be gone for the year. And then also safety, uh, Kalu, Joshua Kalu, with the pectoral They all got put to the IR, and then they waived Clayton Thorson, replaced him as we know. So the interesting thing is we know they, uh, in the aftermath of that, signed another quarterback, also signed Keon Croson from the Texans, a trade there uh, that they effectively went through to bring in some depth. That's how they get down to the 85. There's not a lot to say here, I don't think. I wouldn't be shocked if Morris makes it through back onto the practice squad at some point, maybe, or at least this sense of, we know what you did for us last year. You you came into camp and you were a healthy body, which as we've said all along, the Giants were going to need to work their way through camp. And now we know that you're still in shape or maybe you're not, maybe you're not, maybe you don't have it anymore, but we know what you are. And if we need to bring in, uh, we certainly can beyond that though. It'll be interesting to see where other moves get made because obviously the Giants went ahead and also made a trade sending Isaac Yadam over to the Packers in exchange for Josh Josh Jackson, excuse me. The Packers who, you know, Jackson, he got beat up in the first preseason game, got picked apart a lot. I think seven completions against him in that one and has been buried on the depth chart a little bit over there in Green Bay since uh, they took him a couple of seasons, a few seasons ago. The thing that I like about it, I guess, there's a couple of folds here. (laughs) It shouldn't be any surprise from a a Joe Judge standpoint. has some special teams value, so boom, automatically going to be higher up on his list. And then when you think about Yadam going back to last year, we said he's not a starting corner. You you weren't going to come into this season thinking he was going to play across from James Bradbury, or if he was, you wouldn't feel nearly as confident as we do with a Dory Jackson. But 
The real problem that we saw from last year is that Yadam was more successful in zone looks than he was in man-to-man. And and Graham and this defense wants to be able to utilize that. It's why you go out and get a Dory Jackson. So then you also make the move. We know uh, that Aaron... Williams hasn't been able to be uh, Robinson, excuse me, hasn't been able to get on the field a lot yet for the Giants with the injury issue. But you also drafted Williams later in the draft as well. He was out there on Saturday night. Whatever the the Giants took away from that experience for him, he got picked on a bit. But if you like the sample size and you like Robinson and you like what Darnay Holmes is showing you and you like what Julian Love is showing you, it just this pecking order and the depth chart starts to get a little bit more crowded. And suddenly you look at a guy like Yadam and you say. Yeah, you can be a nice depth piece for us, but if we can move you and bring back in some special teams value, and there's some speculation that if you're going to bring in Jackson here, it's maybe going to be more in the vein of some safety depth as well, because he ran, I think it was a four, five, six, forty coming out of the combine, but has good size. So I think you'll just you'll put him into this, you know, that room of players and the versatile weapons that. Uh, Patrick Graham can certainly try to use. But if the writing was on the wall for Yadam and you felt like he was falling behind in the depth chart room, there's nothing wrong with making a move, giving two players change of scenery, both young, and and go ahead and give them an opportunity uh, to maybe make the roster here, maybe provide some depth, like I say, whether it's at the cornerback, at safety, or even on special teams. And, And what the ripple effect is there around the roster will be interesting too because we know that Sills had a nice showing on Saturday night, and when you walk down that wide receiver room, remember, we're sitting here with Kenny Galladay, with Sterling Shepard, with Darius Slayton, who had a nice catch touchdown to uh, finish out the practice session earlier today, which will be Tuesday, Wednesday for you when you hear it, but uh, you get to Slayton, then you also have rookie Kadarius Toney, then you're at four right there. And then you're going to get to what? Maybe John Ross, maybe Sills. That's six. Now, if you take, say, Ross out of the equation, okay, then it opens up another spot. C.J. Board might be the odd man looking out, but he has special teams value, right? We talk about him in the return, maybe as a gunner. So if he is going to make the roster, it's just when you start to think about the final 53 and making sure that you cover all your bases and have the skill sets in all three phases, as Joe Judge likes to say, this is where bringing in a player maybe from the Packers like Jackson all of a sudden helps you get more value out of the group that you have at a particular unit. And then you can afford to thin out an area on the offensive side, or maybe keep a pure weapon that you like, or make the hard choice between a John Ross, who you like the speed the blow the top off the coverage and a CJ board who's shown you as special teams value. But if they're both like for like in terms of being able to do something in that aspect of the game, Now you can make a little bit easier decision. So you take it for what it is. It's nothing ground-shaking. I'm not overly concerned about it one way or the other. We'll see how it plays out over the next few weeks. The one thing that I'm going to touch on here, uh, but just before we get too much further into it, because Josh Rosen was waived by the San Francisco 49ers and Giants Twitter they love them some Josh Rosen. And, and Andy Makowitz loves him some Josh Rosen as well. Going back to the year prior, uh, he said the Giants should look to bring him in, be the backup. Why not this safety net? I'll, I'll say it in two phases. First, I'll say you don't bring in a you don't bring in a guy if you think if your perspective on Josh Rosen is he could still be a starter in this league one day. Well, then you don't bring him in to threaten Daniel Jones. You're trying to instill the confidence into this kid. If it's not going to work with Daniel Jones, it's not going to be Josh Rosen. It's going to be a guy in the draft next year because you have two first-round picks to move up the board. So there's really no point 
to go ahead and bring in a player like that. The other part of it is, go ahead and take a look at Josh Rosen's stats. I mean, this is a guy now who played for Arizona, played for Miami, didn't play for, but was technically on the roster for the 49ers. He has a career sub-55% completion percentage over the last two seasons. I know that he's young, and that's fine. He also was known to be a bit of a cancer in the locker room at both of his stops. That's fine, too, if, you, if you're if you okay looking past that. The, you know, I just don't understand. Listen, 19 up, what does he have? 12 touchdowns, 19 interceptions, right? So whatever you think about Daniel Jones, this is what you're more confident in. A guy, a guy that has 12 up, 19 down over a small sample size. And by the way, couldn't stick around on, on a roster that, okay, do you need, you know, he's the third quarterback. You know what's going on there. They drafted a young QB. They still have Garoppolo. Fine. You couldn't make it as the third QB on that roster. Maybe they let him go so you can try to find another opportunity, whatever the case may be. I don't understand it. It's a total enigma to me. And I, I'm just, I'm consistently baffled by what, Giants fans want to do here because if if you are still looking at him, which by the way, I gave the great comp over on Twitter, this is Jamarcus Russell territory. I mean, Russell over three seasons, I think at 52, 53% completion percentage, but he's a bust. He was a draft bust. Misses happen all the time, especially at the QB spot. But if you are of that demographic that thinks the Giants should be going and getting Josh Rosen, you can combine it with the fact of what you saw from Thorson and even what you saw from Glennon. That's that's all fine. That's all well and good. But if you're of the mindset that you want to go and bring this guy in, it also means to me that you have a zero confidence level in Daniel Jones. It means that you're out on Daniel Jones to me. And I could be I, I could be wrong. It could be that you you really like his skill set and you think you can develop him and and maybe you turn him into some value and then you trade him. And I can appreciate that angle. But for everything that the Giants have been building over the last couple of years, and specifically last season with Joe Judge at the helm, this is the antithesis of the character and type of player that he wants to bring onto the roster. So I, I find it surprising that Giants fans gravitate towards a man such as Josh. But we digress. The other piece is, of course, I said at the top, the uh, brass, John Mara, and of course, GM Dave Gettleman, they got out there in front of the podium. Again, a lot of it is, listen, they're building towards this thing. John Mara said he's not going to make a playoff mandate, just wants to see progress. Um, You know, Gettleman talked about his goal whenever he leaves the team is to put him in a good spot to have success, and he feels like he's accomplished that, and you continue to move forward. There's some other little takeaways as far as you know, what's gone on with with Kadarius Tony, he's having a little bit of struggle there. A lot of the rookies have had a little bit of a slow buildup here, as far as getting on the field, dealing with injuries, COVID for uh, for Kadarius Tony certainly and otherwise, but not a lot there. Daniel Jones, he's got all the tools, he's ready to go, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The thing that that he touched on that was interesting, that I just you know was worth I thought bringing back up quickly, was the Odell Beckham trade. He was asked about it. You know, how do you feel about it now? A little bit removed from it, and, and you know, think about this idea. Of, there's a lot of mechanisms there, right? We remember there's this whole process that involved other players and offensive linemen and defensive ends, etc. But they packaged it up in this in this trade of what you got in return and what you were able to draft as well, obviously. And that's Jabril Peppers, Dexter Lawrence, and Oshane Ximenez. Now, and, and Gettleman acknowledged X Man has obviously had the injury concerns. 
And that's made it difficult maybe to assess him. But, you know, you have like what you've seen. Do we, will he get to a second contract? We don't know. But Dexter Lawrence is obviously a stud. He's going to be with this team for a long time. And Jabril Peppers has been phenomenal, right? So when you look back at that and you think about, well, what if the Giants didn't trade Odell Beckham Jr.? And you went into that, go into that draft when you end up taking Dexter Lawrence. And, and we obviously know who you talk, took earlier, excuse me, in that first round. Where would you be standing now? Because even if you still have OBJ on that roster, so you're not getting Dexter Lawrence later in the first round because you don't have that pick for yourself. Is it going to look any different for you as far as what you want to do at the end of the first round, making that move back up in to get DeAndre Baker? We know how that turned out, or we know what could be interesting if he's able to reclimate himself uh, still in the NFL and good for him if he can. That's the nature of when, when a player has on or off the field serious issues. The team that has them, they're always the one that that has to cut those ties, that has to make the right move. Whether or not it's done from an optic standpoint or otherwise, that's the nature of it. But wouldn't didn't you still need the help at that position at that point? Yes. Even if you say that you didn't necessarily think they would have done that. Let's go even more optimistic, right? And the Giants stay at 37. They don't make that move. All right, so you're dancing in the waters of a Greg Little. Certainly, it's a possibility. Went to Carolina there. Cody Ford went to Buffalo. So, okay, you can talk about an offensive lineman, someone you needed. Maybe they wait, and who knows? DeAndre Baker's still there at 37. But the, the bottom line is you moved up the board a little bit to do it. You gave up some later-round draft picks. You took Oshane Eximenez because you needed help in the third round. You needed help at, at the linebacker position. So you went and got that. You got Julian Love, cornerback. You needed help there too. I mean, you doubled down on it in, on this in this draft class. Excuse me. The big difference would be in this past off season. You could argue where would you have spent the money if you didn't go get Kenny Galladay because you still had OBJ. That would be the big difference here. Go out into the market and think about where they may have spent the money. Offensive lineman would come to mind, and maybe that would look a little bit different. But would you have re-signed Dalvin Tomlinson? because you didn't have Dexter Lawrence and you want to keep that defensive line healthy. Where else would you have maybe added another piece? When would you have addressed the safety needs that you had because you don't have Jabril Peppers? So there's a lot of moving parts to it. I understand the idea of still being, still feeling good about it. And, you know, in that vein of once it happens, it's over. You know, you move past that. Same thing with the draft class, right? You make your pick. You bring him in. You want him to do well. That's that's where you hope you get to leave it. And that's kind of the way that I look at at that move. And I, and I was fine with it at the time. I'm fine with it now. I think even Andy brought up the idea this past off season when there was rumors about OBJ being on the trading block. Should the Giants go pursue him? I think the injury history is bad enough. That the state of his career right now, but the Giants went out and took a guy on the open market in, in Kenny Galladay that has some injury concerns of his own, dealing with a hamstring as we speak. So who knows what could have been? Maybe, maybe Andy had that one right. The other interesting things that I took away from that conversation in general is they also mentioned that when it comes to Saquon Barkley, they're more than willing to get into an extension conversation ahead of the offseason. Picked up the fifth year option. They gets out there, he's productive, boom, the extension is on the table. They're not going to hesitate to pull that trigger because Saquon Barkley, in so many ways, will dictate those terms, right? If he's out there being productive and producing, 
Well, that's all that you need. That's that's the beginning, you know, the beginning, middle, and end of it is that he's producing the way he was in his rookie season and even year number two to some extent. Great. Then you're happy to bring him back. And I'll be curious to see what that number looks like. We saw Nick Chubb get his extension out in Cleveland. It's interesting. He's been he's been productive, right? Is he a pure every down back? No, they have this compliment there, Kareem Hunt and everything else, but he's produced. Go back and look at what Christian McCaffrey got. You know, is there an incentive-laden contract? Is Saquon willing to do that? Would he take a, a, a structured deal that benefits the Giants in some way to have the financial security? Maybe. But the fact that they changed their tune a little bit on that and Gettleman said, I'm willing to rethink this thing and have changed my stance on it, that's impressive from Dave Gettleman because he's the kind of guy that that kind of digs his heels in and feels pretty strongly about it. The other stuff we'll get into here is really some of the things that I liked as far as takeaways from some of the coordinators and the way that they spoke about some key players. So Patrick Graham, when he was talking about Raymond Johnson, he set himself up to have a good chance to compete to see if he could play in this league. I, I don't know where it's going to stand here. I, you know, you talk about the depth chart at that position. He's a guy, though, that's been talked about in camp as showing up and, and looks like he's put some, some good tape out there for himself. And when you look into it and you say, well, Austin Johnson, you saw Danny Shelton have some nice plays as we highlighted. There you go. You got Dexter Lawrence. You got B.J. Hill. You got Leonard Williams. In behind them, who's the next guy? Moas flashed a little bit in camp too. Maybe Johnson has an opportunity to, to carve out a little spot for himself here. And if it's not, if it could practice squad be a possibility? Maybe. But if you show a little bit and if you get a positive praise from Patrick Graham, that means something. More importantly, though, some other areas that Patrick Graham was giving out praise. Tell me if you like the sound of this. Fast, tough, smart, being physical, working on special teams as well. So again, as the team starts to take shape and take shape of the direction of the head coach, a lot of stuff Joe talks about I thought was reflected in his play. That's Patrick Graham praising Carter Coughlin. Uh, we, we know my affinity for him. We know I was ecstatic when I called for him in the draft and the Giants ultimately took him. Now we're talking about how he could really be pushing himself into a very prominent role as an inside linebacker next to Blake Martinez. We know he has the flexibility and the skill set on special teams as well. This is a highlight guy for me. This is a player that I think we can be excited about and excited about what the future means for him. The other thing that I took away from this too was you had Daniel Jones as far as speaking on the joint practices, and this goes to a larger national narrative around preseason games. Jones said, I, I think it's understood when you come together as a team that you're going to practice a certain way and be smart and take care of one another. I, ex I certainly expect them to do that. And that's in regard to just you're getting an opportunity to play against an opponent with, with quotes around it. But th these are still practices, right? So both sides, you hear about it when these joint practices happen. Sometimes things get a little chippy. Things got a little chippy inside of, of Giants camp amongst teammates. But once you get into these practices, it's an opportunity to, to see some real competition for yourself while understanding we all want to get into practice and out of practice without any incidents or injuries. The reason why I talk about the national narrative is because there's this idea that why bother with the preseason games? I heard this on uh, you know on terrestrial radio earlier today. Why even bother? You're not playing the starters. Certain you know some teams. Tom Brady's getting out there. 
Patrick Mahomes is getting out there. Why isn't Daniel Jones getting out there for a couple of snaps in every single preseason game, et cetera, et cetera. But you've also heard, and this is why it's a foolhardy narrative to take, that organizations, teams, coaches, owners, GMs, all say the best value in, in preseason is in the joint practices. It's in the ability to measure up your positions, to measure up your players against competition. And understanding, when you put Andrew Thomas and back healthy Shane Lemieux and Nick Gates and Will Hernandez and Matt Pert up against the defensive front of the Cleveland Browns, yeah, you're going to learn something, even if it's in a practice session. And the whole idea that, well, there's a couple pieces to it. One, people, you know, fans, they, they, they pay to go see the stars. It's, it's a preseason game. Look around all other sports. You don't care about a spring training game for the Yankees, and you don't berate them if the starters aren't out there. You don't care, nor does anyone really watch necessarily preseason games for the NBA, for the NHL. Soccer, you don't care about these things in other sports. It's only been glorified because the NFL does have a stranglehold as being the number one sport where everything seems so, so crucial. They also added on a 17th game and reduced the preseasons by one. Why? Because the wear and tear. Because you don't want to punish players. So it doesn't have to be universal. Every team's going to structure it differently. But the Giants, Joe Judge says, yeah. I'm going to worry about my team and my roster. Who are guys that are on the bubble? Because guess what? We got to go from 90 to 85. Then we got to get down to 80 and ultimately 53. And in between here and there, I might have to make trades. I may see other players getting cut that I want to bring in here. I need to evaluate the guys that I that I want to know if they're on this roster or not. I know Daniel Jones is going to be on the roster. I know that Saquon Barkley, that Kenny Galladay, that Aziz Ojolari, right? I know these guys are going to... They're making the team. Sterling Shepard's not going to get cut. You believe in the practices. You believe in training camp. You believe in a joint, two joint practices with the Cleveland Browns plus a preseason game. Two joint practices with the New England Patriots plus a preseason game. You, you believe that you can evaluate your talent best through those methods. So yes, you want to see these guys get some rest, but guess what? What, wherever anyone lands on any of the potential starters for the New York football giants, Joe Judge, Dave Gettleman, John Mayer, the entire staff, they don't have any questions about Daniel Jones. He's the starting quarterback. They don't have any questions about where Sterling Shepard's game is. And I get continuity, all that stuff, I understand it. But you can get plenty of value in, in training camp and these joint practices without having to worry about putting them out there on the field for a rep or two. And by the way, we're going to get into the comments from offense coordinator Jason Garrett in speaking about uh, Matt Pert. He mentioned the sack that he gave up versus the Jets. It wasn't a good play, but it was a good response. I think after that, he settled in, did a little bit more, did a good job. To see him respond that, the way that he did, that was a positive thing for him. Now, we already talked about how there's some plays after that that didn't look the strongest for Pert. We're going to keep an eye on him in the upcoming game. But what if that very first play, very early on, not the first play, but early, early, early on in this, right? Matt Pert gives up a sack of Daniel Jones. And listen, the national narrative too. Injuries can happen anytime. That's right. They can happen anytime. And I'd rather it happen when the regular season is underway 
when I have a chance to have things play themselves out like we want them to, like we scripted them to, as opposed to happening in preseason game number one, and then we don't have our quarterback. And that, and that element of it is something that you cannot control, and we all get that. But when you have players that are still, again, continuity and all those pieces, you want this offensive line to gel as much as they can. You want Shane Lemieux to work himself back from that injury and get out there so that you don't have Wiggins in front of Daniel Jones. So that you don't have Wiggins in front of Saquon Barkley if he was healthy this offseason. Or... Even Booker, right? We're talking about evaluating him. How much risk do you want to have? He had three carries. How, how much risk do you want to put him behind an offensive line that's still in a little bit of flux here and there? I don't understand that necessarily. But I do like the praise that we're hearing on a couple of these key guys. I do think that there is real opportunity through these practices this week. And then uh, Andy and I, we back in at the end of the week to prepare ourselves for that preseason game with the Cleveland Browns and talk about guys that we're going to circle and take a look at. But when you see Carter Coughlin play strong Saturday night against the Jets, that should bolster your your confidence in him a little bit. I'd like to see Cam Brown get some defensive reps. I know that he's checking that special teams box, which is the baseline of what Joe Judge wants to see to say we can keep him on the active 53-man roster by the end of all this. But now you do want to get a couple of reps of him on the defensive side of the ball. Just know if he can have a little bit of impact there. There's not a ton of things that I, you know, that I feel like I'm going to learn on the defensive side to some extent. Because we kind of knew coming into this, right? Leonard Williams, let's go across the defensive front. Let's move past that into the secondary, though. We know Bradbury. We know Adoree Jackson. We know Logan Ryan, Jabril Peppers, even Julian Love, even Xavier McKinney, Darnay Holmes. I just rattled off seven players that are in that group already, automatic. Everything else behind that now, we also have a sense of once Aaron Robinson is back and healthy, we like that. May take it into the regular season to get his legs fully underneath him. And they, they seem to like Radarius Williams. And I don't think he's done himself any disservice with you know getting his first taste of NFL action and, and taking some lumps there. I'll take a little more Aziz Ojolari. But even that little flash was good enough for me. And O'Shane's Eximenez, you know, let's continue to flesh him out. Let's see him be healthy because if he can be, then there at least doesn't matter if he's here beyond this season or not. That adds depth and that adds security and another weapon for Patrick Graham. Ellerson Smith is a big one for me. You know, getting him healthy, get him on the field this preseason. Just want to get a taste of him again. Isn't a guy that you're, is at any risk of not making the team? I, I don't think, you know, whether it's getting him back through the practice squad. We've heard this now about Gary Brightwell, too, right? If he can't get on the field, then maybe it's through to the practice squad, let him develop and just take things from there. Like to get Ellerson Smith out there, though, because that's the, that's the other piece of where does he fit into it? How can that look? How can he look on this team? Last piece I'll leave you with before we get out the door here, we'll come back in, is obviously the Giants are going to keep an eye on who gets cut. They're going to look to bring in. They already said Joe Judge wouldn't count it out that they'll bring in another offensive lineman. We could certainly, from an offensive lineman standpoint, coming into this upcoming game, could get ourselves a, a look at another new player there. I'll be a little bit, I just saw Hedgie's name pop up on the depth chart, just wondering if they can... Maybe get a chance. Maybe get a look-see 
uh, of getting him some reps here in the preseason so we can you know, flesh him out a little bit. He was on there on Saturday night a little bit, but give me a little more. You know me. I like a young guy. I want him backing up Nick Gates. Why not? But also Ted Larson, right? They brought him in. He wasn't going to be able to play. Brought him on the 13th. Wasn't going to be able to play against the Jets. He'll be available this week. Now you're talking about potentially this is the, the backup behind Shane Lemieux, behind Will Hernandez. So you like that too. We'll keep an eye on it though. There'll probably be some things that are going to happen here between now and Friday before we get to the weekend, before we get to that game against the Cleveland Browns. And we'll see. But however, wherever you stand on, on what the Giants are right now, as we like to say at the end of the day, a, a lot of the science is solved on the key pieces. I think the biggest concern now or from now until the start of the regular season would be saying, let's get Kenny Galladay 100%. Right? Let's feel good about where he's at. I'd like to see Kadarius Toney, who's had a lot of things go on for him, get him just, just start to get him into the mix a little bit just so I can get a sample size. Again, let, let's see a little bit from Ellerson Smith before this preseason wraps up. There's this handful of guys, right? And ultimately, let's get Shane Lemieux back out there. Let's get the five-man line across there because I was bolstered by what I saw from Hernandez, mentioned it on Monday. I would love to see the starting five. Whatever it's going to look like against Cleveland. First quarter, whole first quarter, great. And then the big the big third one, right? You're going to get a whole half? I'd like to see that that as I used to call it, the dress rehearsal, right? Before you get to pre before you get out of the preseason into the regular season, week one, Denver Broncos. Let's just see some of that continuity, see some of that stability. And I want to get another taste of Rice and John. I'll tell you that right now. Got my eye on him, mentioned it on Monday. I mean, I just I'm a fan of him. I'd like to see him get in there a little bit more. Like to see myself some more Sandro Platzgummer. And he and he, as we know, thought I was gonna go that way. And I don't, I don't mind it. Listen, I, I said this over on Twitter. I would not hate if the idea is that Gary Brightwell is going to end up on the practice squad. You want to tell me that Sandro Platzgummer combined with the state of Saquon Barkley, that he could be the fourth running back? That's exciting. That, that would be something, right? Brought over through the international program, spends last year just on the practice squad, developing, working on his game. Now, all of a sudden, you could put him into a room of four running backs, the one maybe directly ahead of him and Corey Clement, who fumbles the ball once every 33 carries. I just listen, you know, I like, I like a story. I like a Carter Coughlin story. I like a Rice and John story. Heck, I, I love the Shane Lemieux story, right? Fifth round pick, starting guard for the New York football giants. Why not? Why not throw Platzgummer into that mix there? Broke off a nice run on Saturday night. Hopefully he gets another chance coming up. We'll give you all the breakdowns from the joint practices, big takeaways, and set you up for the other players that we'll be watching as preseason game number two looms just a handful of days away. Until we come back in, though, as always, you can follow us on social media at One Giant Podcast. You can also follow, rate the podcast wherever you get those podcast needs fulfilled. And as one Andrew Makowitz would want, need, and as we like to say, demand the people know. As always, let's go Big Blue.